When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Today I want to talk about uh, something that I kind of had to learn a little bit about a couple years ago when I was looking for something to uh, integrate into my food forest. And uh, I was looking for a good understory tree or something in the bush layer that I could plant under my taller tree. Something that would do well, something that would be useful, and uh, something that would just be a, a really great addition to a permaculture food forest. And I came across hazelnut kind of on accident. I was in the process of, uh, of looking for something, and I happened to visit a local nursery. And at that nursery, he was selling uh, small hazelnut uh, bushes. And I thought, hmm, let me check into that a little bit. And I started doing a little bit of research. Well, I went ahead and picked up a couple plants. And then I started doing some research. And I found out it's just an excellent plant to uh, add to the food forest. And I want to talk a little bit about growing it, why I think it's a great plant for the food forest, um, kind of how to integrate it into the food forest today. So I think it might be one you'll enjoy if you're looking to build a food forest or you're just looking to add another plant to your homestead somewhere. It doesn't have to be into necessarily a food forest. You can plant it in a lot of different places and add it to your property. And I think it's just a, a great plant. Now, I'm only into a couple years of having mine on my property, so I'm not really into the production phase yet. But I'm really looking forward to the uh, the benefits of having this plant on the property other than just uh, filling up a spot in my understory right now. So let's just uh, jump right into it and talk a little bit about hazelnut. So what is hazelnut? Well, hazelnuts are bushes that can grow really tall. Uh, hence they're, you know, they have a shrub like appearance, but they can also be used as an understory tree. I mean, a lot of people refer to them as a hazelnut tree or a hazelnut bush. They kind of can go either way, depending on how you prune them, where you grow them. But, uh, the, the plant can actually get a height and width of about 16 feet. So it can get very large. Now, you can, you know, that that's kind of optimal conditions, perfect sunlight conditions, perfect uh, ground moisture, things like that. But uh, you can prune it any way you want it. You can prune it into more like a tree or more into shrub like a uh, uh, plant. So it, it can uh, kind of fill that void uh, whichever way you want it to go. If you want it into a tree, you just kind of cut the lower branches and leave a few stems at the center, and it'll kind of grow more into a tree-like design, or you can just, like I said, let it spread out and become a bush. Um, now, they can grow up to, uh, I mean, they, they grow normally around 40 years, but they can go as long as 100 years. I mean, it's a really long growing and producing plant. Uh, most of that life, it's going to be producing nuts for you. 
So it's a it's a plant that's going to be into your in your food forest for a very long time, just like a a, a larger tree in some in some situations. Initially, uh, they're native to uh, eastern and southern parts of Europe, and uh, over time they spread into the north and east parts of the world. And uh, evidence of hazelnut remains uh, are found in parts of China as well. It's not something that grows there today normally, unless you unless you plant it there. But there's uh, remnants that it's been brought there at one point and was grown there. Throughout times in history, uh, hazelnut was uh, considered a staple food for humans. It was kind of spread worldwide. At one point, turkey was its dominant supply, accounting for about 80% of the world supply, and the rest of the 20% being produced from uh, countries like the United States and parts of Europe. It's really been used worldwide uh, in a lot of ways as food production. It has a lot of varieties. Some are the results of genetic breeds that are crossed together, and Others, just adaptation um, from the traditional species. There's two real significant uh, breeds that are most commonly used, but uh, the real difference would be the size of the nuts and the growth rate of the plant. And uh, we're going to look at, I'm going to talk about hazelnut through the eyes of looking at the common species. I mean, there's other, there's other varieties, but you know, there's these common varieties that end up in most places. It's what I'll be referring to mostly in this, uh, in this, um, podcast episode hazelnut flowers are actually wind pollinated so these plants actually don't even need pollinators like bees or butterflies for pollination uh, the plants have separate male flowers called catkins and at the end of summer and the beginning of spring the catkins shed pollen early before leaves emerge and then the female flowers emerge from a bud and require pollen from a second tree because they're self-incompatible so you have to have more than one uh, for that reason the the two pollen compatible strains of hybrid trees are planted in an orchard so you'll want to have a couple different uh, trees or bushes of hazelnut around to pollinate but they are wind pollinated which is kind of fascinating hazelnuts prefer moist lowland soils now i'm going to verify this because i've planted in a couple different places and i have one that's kind of right out in the front of my property, direct sunlight all day long. It gets full sun all day long. It's kind of a drier area because it's out in the sun. And I'm actually going to have to plant an overstory tree next to that. I've got it kind of by itself, kind of out there in the sun. And I need to get some shade on it uh, and cool it down and get some plants around that one, uh, like some comfrey or something uh, to kind of shade the ground, hold a little bit more moisture in the ground, make sure you get, you know, get more wood chips around it, make sure I get more wood chips around it to kind of moisten that soil up because it doesn't do very well. It's like, it just, it's alive and it's growing very, very slowly, but it doesn't seem to, to make a lot of progress. And the complete opposite of that, I got one that's got about half day sun in a more moist area with a little bit of shade and just a little bit of stuff around it. And it's doing great. It's three times the size of the other one. And uh, so it just kind of verifies. They like that. They like that moist, um, you know, uh, kind of gentle growing area. They like to grow in, in hedgerows, uh, you know, along meadows on the edges, uh, edges of pastures, things like that. Banks of streams or rivers, edges of woods, you know, places where they get, I would say, an adequate amount of sun. But I think they don't do as well in full sun, which I think makes them a great understory or bush layer tree in a food forest they do like steep slopes they like to be along paths and roadside so they're kind of easy to find in the wild in certain areas because of they they're kind of like i kind of think of them 
like generally if you're going to find like blackberries and raspberries growing in the wild, they're kind of in those type of areas, you know, that half day sun, um, kind of thick thickets and things. They're kind of in those kind of areas where you'll find things like that. So, uh, hard to get to sometimes in those areas, but also along the edges, a lot of times in forests and things because of the, the break in the shade and the sun, they do like some sun. They, they need at least four hours. I would say six hours is probably ideal for them. If I had to take a guess. If you want to plant some hazelnut uh, bushes, uh, springtime is really the best time to plant right after the first frost uh, when the plants are dormant. And that way they don't get shocked. It's just like most trees or bushes. They do best when you plant them in that situation. If you're going to plant them from seed, it's kind of a process, though. I've not tried it. I've watched some videos on it. I'd like to expand mine one day when mine start producing nuts um, and actually and actually grow them from the nuts. But uh, you can uh, there's a whole process involved in the in the uh, pre-treatment and preparation of the seeds. Um, I guess I could talk a little bit about that from what I've learned. You can take a bucket of water you can drop the seeds in them or the, the, the nuts in them and allow them to settle. And then some will float and others will sink. The ones that sink are the ones that are ones you want to plant. They're they're more likely to germinate. Those ones that float can germinate, but they're less likely, and it's probably going to be a, a less healthy uh, a seedling, from what I understand. You do want to like put them, like lay them out in pots or like a grow bed or something, and cover them with sand, and then uh, and then top it off. With something to keep the the squirrels or the chipmunks or the mice from digging them up, because uh, they enjoy them and <laughs> they'll dig them up and they'll they'll take them. Now, once the seeds start germinating, want to like get them in some pots, and uh, you'll want to put them you know an inch or so deep, inch to two inches deep. Uh, make sure they're firm and, and water them in really well, and keep them moist. They they like. Like I said, some moist soil. They don't. I mean, you don't want it like standing in water, but they do like to be kept moist. You don't want to let that soil dry out. And then you'll just kind of wait. Uh, you'll need to keep the weeds and the grass off of them. Don't let them compete because they're going. They're going to need that uh, that time to grow and, and get the nutrients. So you know you want to keep the grass and, and weeds around from around them. And you want to let them grow in a pot or in an area where they're going to kind of mature as seedlings for a couple years. And then you're going to want to transplant them and you'll want to like wet the hole really good, get their, get their feet good and wet, transplant them. And you'll want to dig a hole big enough to, to take in their whole root structure. Don't, don't try not to damage them. And then just kind of tamp it in just like you would a tree, any tree and add lots of water. They're going to need some water. They, they just like wet feet. They really do. I don't, I've just kind of learned that the hard way. It was something in my early studies that I didn't uh, come across, but I'm actually at the point, like I said, I mean, you're going to have to do some some real um, additions to that area where I have the one, which I could do, and I probably will do, honestly, or I'm going to have to move it because if I just leave it to its uh, to its own self there, it's probably never going to uh, get healthy. Uh, it's just, it's not. So I'm going to have to work on that a little bit or move the plant, but they do like, they do like to be uh, moist. Uh, like I said, not standing in water, not swamp-like, but they definitely like the ground to be a little bit moist. And you'll want to let them grow, you know, three or four years before you cut them back. Um, they coppice them or start pruning them because they're kind of slow growing. Uh, even the one that I've got that's doing well, it's, it's you know, it's still not producing, of course, a couple years later. It's still, I mean, it's three times bigger than the other one, which still isn't huge. I mean, we're talking, you know, four feet by uh, maybe three feet wide. The other one is like, you know, 16 inches. I mean, it's, it's a lot smaller. So... It does take them while they're they're kind of slow getting started, but once they get there, uh, you're gonna have a great plant. They're they're pretty resistant to uh, to pests and diseases, other than 
the nuts. I mean, the squirrels and chipmunks and, and rodents really like the nuts. So they're going to attack the, the nuts once you, uh, um, get them mature. But if you have a lot of them, um, and you can somehow control them or even with some netting or whatnot, you can, you can get a lot of pr- uh, production from them, even with, with the, uh, the hazelnut predators i'll call them now because of the situation with my one plant i have done a little bit of homework on best companions for hazelnuts and they they really like nitrogen fixing uh plant uh that improve the soil around them so they like plants like comfrey which lucky for me got a lot of that primrose coriander believe it or not they can kind of be intertwined with asparagus garlic currants uh other kind of bulb plants they like um, you want to avoid plants like fennel, leeks, and beets. I just, what I came across in my research, these were plants that they don't do that well with. They're also one of the few plants. Now, this is interesting. They're one of the few plants that is pretty juggling uh, resistant, meaning it can be planted as a barrier uh, plant between the walnut trees and other plants. That's a huge problem with a lot of permaculture food forests. A lot of people want walnut in their food forest, but because of the juggling that it produces, um, it's not an ideal a tree for a food forest because other plants have a hard time growing around it, but not hazelnut. Hazelnut actually does well with, uh, with a, uh, walnut tree. So it, it, and you can be kind of create this barrier. If you wanted to kind of surround a walnut tree with hazelnut bushes to kind of get this root barrier going, um, it'll actually tie up a lot of that. and It'll keep it from spreading out further. And then you can move on to the next plantings of things, beyond that so that's interesting to find out about about it because uh, walnut is an excellent thing to have in your food forest i mean if you could put it somewhere where it's uh where it ties in nicely and then you can kind of bind up that juggalone so it doesn't affect the other um uh food forest plants that's pretty awesome and from what i've read and 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 found out uh that hazelnut is, is a plant that can do that Okay, let's talk about a little bit about the growing conditions. I've obviously been mentioning some about that, but it grows in areas with cool or moist summers uh, really well. It'll grow, you know, again, because in permaculture, we create microclimates. We can change the climate for a plant. And so when I when I talk about ideal growing conditions, we tend to think about a place or an area in the world that, that automatically meets these conditions. And obviously, the plant's going to do best Uh, more naturally in those places but we can go several zones either way a lot of times and we can create these microclimates that we can grow a lot of different plants and hazelnuts like that if you don't have a place that meets these climates think about how you can adjust your climate how you can create this microclimate that will that will um, offer ideal growing conditions for this plant so uh, so yeah it does really well in cool or moist summers well that isn't a lot of places Mild, cool winters or maritime climates does really well. Any tropical or or subtropical climates are ideal for growth. And there's also different species that, you know, of course, that grow differently a little bit, have a little bit different growing conditions ideally. So you have to do a little bit of homework there and you have to create this climate. It's not ideal for everyone, but it can grow in a lot of places where maybe you wouldn't think it would grow. We find that with a lot of plants. Um, Soil, it likes loamy soil. It doesn't have to be high in neutral, uh, high in nutrients. Matter of fact, it, it kind of prefers it not be. It likes those kind of garbage areas like a lot of plants do because uh, it, it likes its soil neutral, uh, primarily neutral. So obviously you don't want to put it next to blueberries and things like that. It's going to need a different type of soil. Um, but again, it's not going to require a lot of soil. So you could plant it with things that are uh, 
you know, that will pull all the nutrients away, but you don't want to plant next to anything that you're going to have to feed heavily with nutrients because it could overwhelm the, uh, the hazelnut uh, bush. So you want to keep things that, that are similar to it, that don't require a lot of nutrients that will mine its own nutrients that, um, that aren't going to, um, you're not going to have to feed because that feeding that plant could actually harm this plant if you're feeding it also. Uh, moisture. Hazelnuts flourish in moderately well-drained soils. Soils that retain too much water or drain too much water, what I'm finding more as true, uh, will not encourage healthy growth. So kind of in the middle there. You don't want it, like I said, swamp ground, but you don't want dry soil either. They don't do well in that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The reason you don't want a super rich soil for hazelnut uh, and the reason you don't want to f- have a soil that's heavy in fertilizer is because it causes it, the plant to leaf at the ex- expense of putting off nuts. So um, you don't need overly, overly fertile ground. Uh, so again, but that's like that with most plants. You can actually fertilize tomatoes to the point where you hardly get any tomatoes. And you just get a lot of leaves. Uh, so again, it, it, it it's the same way. It, you don't want. Obviously, we're not just growing a food force for the leaves. We want the, the actual food from it. So um, you, you don't want too rich of a soil because it will cause it to produce more leaves than nuts. Sunlight. Everything I read says more sunlight encourages more fruit yield. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe once it gets to a certain size, that's probably true. Uh, but in the early stages, unless you can just keep that ground super moist and you've got just like some dappled shade throughout the day, I find it likes a little bit of shade. Uh, and it, it really can tolerate the shade uh, more than it can uh, tolerate the sun when it's really hot and dry. But it needs at least four hours. And I would say ideally probably six, seven uh, of sunlight to do great. And and the plant likes to be protected. It doesn't like extremely windy locations. It doesn't like frost pockets. It doesn't like um, extremely hot or extremely dry Uh it just, you know, it's kind of, a, I'd say it's delicate. It's not really because it, it will grow in, in some places where some things won't grow, but it does take a little bit of care. I mean, it's going if it had to pick its place, it's not going to pick that place that, that it's kind of the extreme conditions. So, um, you want to kind of accommodate that because it does slow things down or makes it harder to grow for sure. And once it's uh, for everything I read. And, and what I'm experiencing, like with my better plant is once it's growing well, you really don't have to do much to it. It doesn't require a lot. There are a few things you'll want to do to require that, you know, to maintain a healthy plant, but mostly it does pretty well. Pruning is probably the thing that a lot of people want to focus on once a, once a, um, hazelnut tree slash bush gets, uh, to a little bit more maturity, but those reasons, there are some health reasons in that, but um, mostly it's probably use and, and how you, where you have it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about pruning. It does encourage the tree to grow stronger and have trunks uh, if you want a tree. You can skip the pruning. If you have a potted nut tree or you have it in an area where you're using it like a bush, it will get very, very large, though. Like I said, about 16 by 16, which is a big, big plant. But when you're printing 
pruning it tree-like or you're trying to limit its its growth area, you want to choose about six strong branches at the top and then cut everything below it. You should really clear any low-hanging branches. If you allow the plant to stay in its naturally its natural shrubby form, you don't need to shape the tree. You might want to snip any suckers that grow from the roots and, and thin the bush kind of evenly just to kind of keep it from getting too big, taking over too much of your food forest. But you'll want to do this in the winter when the plant's dormant. And, and by pruning it back, it does keep the additional stems from uh, congesting the plant. And, and it'll keep the plant a little more airy and light and easier to harvest from and, and just generally looking better in your food forest probably. So, I mean, there's just some, some, um, some general maintenance, uh, to pruning like most trees or, or shrubs. Um, the, the tree, the, the trunks actually can scald from sun, uh, and injury from rodent. Uh, they can get injury from rodents, uh, also in the wintertime, especially. So mulching around the tree, once you've planted it, it, it will ensure that there's no weeds kind of growing up around it. It'll allow the plant to kind of grow and flourish. You just keep it mulched. It really likes that because it helps with the soil, helps keep that soil, uh, moist also and water it if it's necessary. Uh, hopefully you can get your soil, conditions and your shade conditions and everything just right where you don't have to do that but i would say in those first few years you may have to water it if if you're in a location that it isn't ideal uh on the moisture levels don't add fertilizer as i mentioned earlier unless your soil is just dead i mean and, and even then wood chips adding some like leaf mulch um doing chop and drop things like that are plenty of uh of uh um fertilizer for this plant naturally it likes a little it does like a little nitrogen though so if you can plant something like comfrey or do chop and drop comfrey leaves around it or plant it next to some nitrogen fixing trees things like that um, it will do well because uh, the uh, it does give it more resistance to pests and diseases and naturally just makes it a little healthier and, and it, it won't it will encourage leaf growth um, but in those first few years, that's really not a bad thing. And before it gets to its real serious nut production anyway, it's really a, a good thing. It really actually builds a, a healthy, strong plant. So that's really good for it. When it comes to actual pests and diseases, uh, mostly it's the nuts they're, go they're looking for. Um, they can decimate a crop from what I understand. A few chipmunks and squirrels can just completely clean off your plants. And there's a few things you can do. But there's also some some insects that will attack uh, as well, like nut weevils, and there's some worms, and they are prone to uh, like some kinds of blight. It's not super common, I don't think, but it's a fungus that that can affect them. Uh, tent caterpillars, uh, like hazelnut, surprisingly, I found out aphids can affect the plant, which that's a pretty easy thing to get rid of. Um, and there's some other pests and diseases like powdery mildew and 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 um, root rot and things like that that can affect um, hazelnut. They're not; it's not huge problems with hazelnut, but there are things you do have to keep an eye out for and uh, be prepared to treat if uh, if necessary. The things that will hinder its growth, what I found out: extreme heat, uh, extreme cold, and uh, extreme uh, moisture or or being dry uh these things will affect the growth of your plant i've seen it uh, i've read about it it's true um in my experience let's talk a little bit about harvesting now here's why you plant things right here's why you you, you want this plant on your in your food forest on your property because you want the food um so when it comes to harvesting you can just pick the 
the nuts from the tree or you can wait for them to fall from the tree. Uh, you can shake it and get the more ripe nuts to fall. And it's actually, I didn't know this, but I actually found out it's it's actually quite common to uh, for the first few nuts that you, you harvest that fall are empty. <laughs> they just, I don't know why that is, but I read that, that it's common. Like you start grabbing the first uh, ones that fall and then you find out there's nothing inside of them. They're just like hollow nuts. That's actually common. And for whatever reason, uh, I think a lot of people freak out about that. I think there's something seriously wrong with their, their uh, hazelnut tree. But the fact is that's just common with them. The first few ones that drop are hollow nuts and you'll want to spread them out to dry for the next two to three weeks. Uh, in a warm place. I actually ran across a video uh, from edible acres on harvesting hazelnuts and how they spread them out in these trays and stack them and dry them. And, and it, it do the, like these old crate, these uh, uh, crate boxes they've made. Uh, you could use cloth bags, um, uh, nets, whatever you could do a lot of different ways to, to kind of dry them out and then store them. Um, but that, I, I thought their video was pretty good. Actually, the article that I'm going to link to that I wrote uh, for this episode uh, actually has the the video embedded in that. So go check that out and how they kind of spread them out and 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 got their harvest ready. One of the things that's another huge benefit of growing hazelnut, other than the nuts, is the wood. Um, coppicing hazelwood is huge. It's a it's used in wood production for a whole bunch of things. It actually, you know, and it's good to do that. It's actually good to take a lot of the wood from it. It actually allows the, the bush to grow stronger and healthier. So you want to coppice some of the wood. Um, it extends the plant's life. Uh, and you can get a lot of wood from hazelnut trees. You don't want to start collecting or coppicing big sections of wood for probably about 10 years. Uh, the first 10 years of the plant. Uh, you can prune it back and obviously get a little bit. Uh, after about three or four but if you're going to actually use them for coppicing and like cutting them down growing them back um yeah you want to wait about 10 years before you start that let that root system get really strong if you're if you're planting it for coppicing if you're planting hazel on your uh property for the purpose of coppicing the wood um you'll want to plant them a little closer together you'll want to tighten them up a little bit six to eight feet and thicken them up a little bit and and really get a thick grove of hazelnut you'll cut your wood back in the winter time when the uh when the tree or bushes are uh are dormant and after about 10 years about 75 hazelnut uh plants will actually produce about a ton of dry wood so you can get a significant amount of wood from your hazelnut trees after they're established, after they're grown big and, and you've got them set up right, it, how you've been cutting them, how you've been pruning them to get those long. Because a lot of times when, when people are doing it for the coppicing, they'll get these like these like these 14 to 16 foot long pieces of wood. Well, it's not huge in diameter, but it's really long because the way they're, they're pruning it back and the way they're cutting it. And you'll just have a whole grove of these really long, straight uh, hazelnut uh, branches. And... Um, they're great for all kinds of things. They're traditionally used for things like firewood. I mean, a lot of people use them for firewood, for making poles, fencing, uh, like thatching, uh, walking sticks. They're famous for that. Fishing rods, actually, uh, is something they're commonly used for. A lot of people use the smaller branches for making baskets. And, uh, I mean, just a lot of different little projects. A lot of uh, people, uh, there's a lot of carving projects that work really well with uh, hazelwood. So, definitely something um, to consider uh, when you're growing hazelnut. So, not only is it just 
good food for the food forest, but it's a good product for your homestead for a lot of purposes. So yeah, definitely something that would be benefit to grow a lot of it on your property just for that purpose if you have the room. Of course, benef- hazelnut has a lot of uh, benefits to a, to a uh, permaculture food forest other than just wood and, and food production. It actually makes a great hedge. It makes a dense screen, so I'm all about growing any kind of a uh, natural type fence or barrier on your property uh, to keep animals, you know, kind of encourage animals from coming in or people from walking into your property. It's nice for that. It can actually create a really thick hedge, which is really, really nice. So, uh, just, that, of course, that's going to depend on how close you grow it together, how you prune it, how you use it. Um, but yeah, it can do that. Uh, they're traditionally grown along with. Things like mulberry, other kinds of vines, gooseberries, currants, things like that. Again, this it's it's it makes this nice hedge of food. Um, so works well in an agroforestry type setting. Uh, it makes a great wind barrier for your property. It doesn't like just be standing kind of by itself out in wind, but in a hedgerow uh, packed with other plants to kind of help it protect it, sections of it, it, it will grow really well. And uh, you can actually set up a, a plant row to act, act as a windbreaker and and kind of alternate the rows for coppicing and picking from and things like that. And it does really well in landscapes. Uh, you can shape it in a lot of different ways so it looks really nice. Um, it makes beautiful flowers uh, when it first puts off its flowers. And in the fall, I, I think it's really beautiful. It has a really nice orange and yellow shade to it that's just really pretty. I mean, so it makes this really beautiful uh, fall uh, hedgerow as well. So, I mean, we're not all about the aesthetics of, of our food forest, but I find it very encouraging and, and, and just uplifting to walk through a food forest that's beautiful. And it really can add to the beauty of a, of a food forest. So depending on how you grow it, where you grow it, and kind of the design and the pruning of it, um, it can be a really beautiful plant to add to your to your forest as well, to add onto your property. So, yeah, I mean, those are just some other benefits from it. So, I mean, it can definitely serve more than just food and wood. Um, it has, of course, culinary benefits in the nuts. You can eat the nuts raw or cooked. Uh, they're rich in protein, iron, uh, iron, magnesium, vitamin B and E. Um, they have uh, heart healthy fatty acids, omega six, omega nine, a lot of fiber, uh, uh, antioxidants, um, a lot of stuff about them. Uh, cancer, you know, fighting uh, qualities. Uh, some of those things are proven to, to to contribute to fighting cancer. So uh, yeah, I mean, so it obviously has those qualities. You can roast them and uh, put them in salads, pastas, smoothies. You can actually make a paste out of them and use them. And there's a whole bunch of inter, uh, recipes on the internet on d- do different things with hazelnuts. So, I mean, you can just look into that. There's a lot, a lot of uh, ways to uh, to eat them. Uh, they also have some livestock benefits as well. As well. The leaves can be used to uh, as cattle feed uh, or like rabbits and goats. Also, they'll, the rabbits and goats will eat the twigs. They uh, will feed bees with their flowers. They're actually a source of early forage uh, for pollen production for that. So that's nice to have for that. One of the things that hazelnut is kind of known for is their oil. Hazelnut is crushed to produce oil that's used in not so much food, but in other things like paints, cosmetics, hair products. 
it can be combined with other oils to use things like salad dressings, but it's more more used in production of other things, massage oils, skincare products, aromatherapy oils, things like that. So again, if you're into using uh, products on your homestead for making those types of things, uh, hazelnut might be your plant to get because it has a lot of benefits like that. So here's how, where I'll kind of wrap it up. I mean, we see that it's, it's a plant that just fits really well into an understory tree or a bush layer of a food forest. It has a lot of benefits on your homestead for a lot of production, wood, food, uh, products of other kinds, and protection for your food forest. The bottom line is it's it's just a great plant. Uh, it has some commercial opportunities if you have a really large uh, homestead where you could grow a lot of it for the wood or for the nuts. If you know what you want to achieve and and you know how you'd want to grow it, uh, and you select the right type and you got the right growing conditions, it, it can have excellent yields and it can benefit your homestead in a huge, huge way. So I say grow it. I mean, even if you have to start with two or three or four small hazel uh, nut bushes in an understory area of a food forest or say along a hedgerow of your property or something, add it. I think you find it being a real benefit to your property. So I think it's a good one to have. I'm looking forward to the production of mine in a few years. I'm actually looking forward to, uh, uh, restoring the life of the one I have in the front of my property. That's not in ideal growth conditions because I think it's kind of, I'm going to treat it like an experiment. I want to, um, I want to see if I can create an ideal growing condition around it. I want to put in a, tree that's a little bit taller than it on south side kind of dapple the sunlight to it i want to uh i want to get some uh, nitrogen uh plants around i'm gonna put a couple comfrey plants close to it i'm gonna mulch it heavily i'm gonna see if i can't change the growing conditions for that plant and and get it growing faster as an experiment more than anything i'm just curious uh how i can create the microclimate around an, an existing plant to see it really take off and go. I mean, it, it's like it's always just kind of barely hanging on for a couple of years now. And, and I want to see if I can change that. So I'm going to have a little fun with that plant. I think it's a great plant. And um, you might find it locally. I found mine locally. I, I think there's a lot of online uh, stores that you can probably get it from. Uh, check your local nurseries, though. They might have it. And that might be your best option for getting a a, a plant that does well in your area so uh there you have it folks uh kind of the uh, everything on hazelnut in your food forest give it a shot i think it could be a great plant for you uh when you're putting your food forest together and it just sounds like a one of them great permaculture plants that kind of checks a lot of the boxes like a lot of other plants do uh, serving a lot of functions working well to integrate into your food forest or permaculture design so uh, we'll catch you again next week thanks for joining me